Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live in the Washington, D.C. area, Saturday mornings from 9 till 10 on the following frequencies. 1500 AM, 1045 FM, 1035 FM HD2, and 1039 FM HD2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. And this weekend, we're going to have a ring of fire solar eclipse. It's going to be, if you want to see it in person, you're going to have to be either in Asia or Africa. But there will be websites that you can look at it and watch it in real time. Is this one of these things where you have to wear the uh, the special goggles? Yes, because the, the moon is... Yeah. No, you do not want to burn your eyes. Certainly, that's not the case. They... This week, now, they've located one of the rioters who was burning out police cars, and they use social media to track down the person and identify them. Mm. I'm going to explain the trail that they used to track down this particular woman, who was a massage therapist, by the way. Mm. She, burned, she burned two police cars. Uh, and I'm going to get to the um, system scanner tool that will identify the how, what kind of RAM you need to upgrade in your computer. I was going to get to it last week, but... Well, with all of our technical glitches, I just didn't make it. Mm-hmm. This, this week, we're going to feature uh, David Hansen. He's the creator of Ruby on Way- Rails. He's an interesting guy. In addition to being a programmer, he's also a race car driver. Huh. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. You got an email from Bob in Maryland. Dear Doc, Jim, and my favorite, Mr. Big Voice. I do love the radio tech talk shows during lockdown, even when there are technical glitches. I was waiting to hear about that memory detection device, uh, but uh, somehow I missed it. Well, actually, as I just said, I did miss it last week. We're going to do it this week again, Bob, so you'll be able to hear it this time. I ran across this article, Bob goes on to say, it's a programming language for quantum computers. And uh, it's uh, quite an interesting development. I thought you'd like to see that. Keep up the good work. All the best. Your faithful listener, Bob, in Maryland. Well, I'll get that memory tool out this week, Bob. uh, And uh, I'll definitely put it at the beginning of the show so we don't run out. And I did read that article about a high-level language for quantum computers. It's called SILK, Mm S-I-L-Q. It's really interesting. When computers first developed, they, they, you basically uh, there were no programming languages, and people were just basically using machine language to talk directly to the hardware. And anytime you'd write a new program, you'd have this very complicated series of commands, basically zeros and ones, to talk directly to the hardware. And then ultimately, um, they developed then higher level languages where you could actually program them with commands that look very much English-like. And there would be a compiler that would turn it into code that would manipulate the hardware. So we're sort of at this stage now with quantum computers where all the initial languages were manipulating at the 
at the hardware level, and they was really quite hard to do it. And so this Silk, S-I-L-Q, is the first high-level programming language written specifically for quantum computers, and it's generic, so it doesn't depend on the specific configuration or the specific hardware configuration of the quantum computers. And it's, it's doing one thing uh, that's quite difficult to do, and it's very easy to do, whenever you, they, it's called getting rid of uh, unused, uh, unused memory um, items that you've stored as inter intermediate steps in a calculation. Because whenever a computer does a calculation, it will have an intermediate result and do another calculation, get another intermediate result. And you'll have all these intermediate results that you really don't need. You just need the final result. And most programs get rid of all those intermediate results and free up the, uh, free up the RAM. And they call that garbage collection. It's difficult to do in a quantum computer because you've got state entanglement. So if you delete a particular intermediate variable, it's going to be entangled with one of the one of the subsequent results. And so you just can't you just can't remove it that way. So you have to go through a process that they have defined as uncomputing. You've got to reverse it in order to delete it. And this particular programming language handles that automatically. You just say free up memory and it talks to the hardware and does it. That's just one small example of how a higher level language can make using quantum computers easier to use. I think this is going to really accelerate the adoption of, um, you know, of quantum computers to solve difficult problems. And it's really a great development. You can go to that website, by the way, silk, S-I-L-Q dot E-T-H-Z dot C-H, and you can read all about it. They've got a lot of videos. It's a pretty informative site. Bob, thanks for that uh, for that uh, reference to that uh, article. It was really interesting to read. We got an email from Kathy in Boulder. Dear Tech Talk, Facebook has deactivated my account. I got married and changed my name, uh, on, and I changed my name. So I went into my Facebook account and I changed my last name. The next day, Facebook deactivated my account. Why would they do that? I don't know. They, they, they thought somebody had hacked it and they were changing the name. Hmm. In order to reactivate the account, they, they, they say that I have to prove who I am and I have to send them my driver's license. But I don't want to send them my driver's Does, license. That almost – is she sure it's really from Facebook? That sounds that's what like she, a scam. That, that's what she's not sure of. She said she's not really sure that this email came from Facebook, but her account was deactivated. Mm -hmm. Her account could have been hacked. So um, – this is the thing, uh, Kathy. Uh, if your account is deactivated by Facebook, and you can go log on to Facebook itself. Don't use a link in any uh, emails that you get. Log on to Facebook itself and verify that your account is deactivated. And then you can go through a process to reactivate the account. But in fact, Facebook is going to have to see some kind of valid ID. I mean, there's no way to get around it. If you don't want to send something to authenticate that you are who you are, they will not reactivate it. Now, you don't have to send your driver's license. There's a um, there's a sec you go to the help section of Facebook and you look and search for required documents. There's a list of a lot of documents that you can use, and so just pick one of those documents and you'll have to, you'll have to send some document to prove who you are, and um, and then you should get this thing reactivated. Um, if you don't want to send anything, I'm sorry, they're not going to reactivate it. You'll just have to get a new account. And it's their loss. And it's their loss. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We got an email from uh, John in uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas. 
Now this, uh, let me just see here. Yeah, I got an email from John. And he said, Dear Doc and Jim, I just bought a 23-inch flat screen monitor for use with my Dell laptop. The laptop's got Windows 10 on it. Now I connected the monitor to my laptop using the HDMI cable. But when I load programs, they still show up on the laptop screen. Now I'd like to make the external monitor my main screen. How can I do that? John in Pittsburgh. Well, John, the large... A large external monitor really makes your laptop a lot more enjoyable. It's it easy sure to does. see everything. Yeah. So what you can do, you can easily do this. What you you go to the desktop and you right click on the desktop and you'll see something there called display settings. Click on that. I mean, you could you could you could also go through the settings menu and get to display settings, but that's a that's a shortcut way to get to display settings. And then you'll see a, you'll see there when you uh, you'll see a drop down menu and you'll see two screen shaped Icons. One is labeled one, and one is labeled two. Now they, that represents the the monitor in your screen and your external monitor. Now the screen icon is highlighted in blue, which means it's actually the um, the the preferred or the default monitor. Now what you want to do is you want to click on the other screen that isn't blue, and then the menu will show up and scroll down and put down make this my main display. And then at that point, uh, monitor number two will have a blue background, which means it's the main monitor and everything will show up on the uh, all everything will show up on the uh, uh, on your uh, remote monitor on your big flat screen TV. And then nothing will show up on your laptop. And that's all you have to do. It's easy. It's easy to do. But actually, I don't know that that's your best option. You also have other options. And what you want to do is when you go to, if you wish, you could have both screens in use, okay? Mm -hmm. So if when you bring up that display item, uh, that dis when you right-click on, uh, on the desktop, you also have something called multiple displays. Click on that, and you've got three options. You can make the option one, you can make the external screen um, – the only monitor that you want. Option two, you can duplicate the contents on the uh, on the main screen with the other one, so that both the laptop screen and the main screen, which is now the, your flat screen TV, show the same thing. Or you have an option three, which is to extend, where you can actually have the two screens display different things. So I know at work, our developers use the extend feature because they all have multiple screens. And they might have, in one screen, they might have the program that they're uh, editing. In another screen, they might have an, uh, what the program displays in a window so they can make the edits and they can see how the program responds. So they, can, they have multiple things going on in different screens. So I'm going to suggest you're going to like extend. And then, for instance, you could keep your emails always open in one screen and then use the other screen for, say, doing your Microsoft Word or, or Excel spreadsheet. So uh, I think that's really a great option for you, and best of luck with that new monitor. We got a, an email from Roy in Richmond. Dear Doc and Jim, I've been working at home during lockdown, and now that the summer has arrived, I would like to make my backyard my home office. That's a great idea. However, the Wi-Fi reception there is not very good. Hmm. How can I improve my Wi-Fi reception in the backyard? Love the show, Roy in Richmond. Well, Roy, you got a number of options. Uh, you could do a Wi-Fi extender. 
that's basically a little box. You just plug it in the wall, and then you connect it to your main router, and then it will retransmit Wi-Fi signal uh, in other parts of the house. And so you could put, for instance, a, a Wi-Fi uh, extender, you know, near the back door, or if you or and and you could get um, you you could get uh, Wi-Fi signal in the backyard that way. Now, the, and Wi-Fi extenders are pretty cheap. Like TP-Link RE220 is only $30, or TP-Link AC1750 is $79. TP-Link AC1750 is $79. That's that's the one I would use, and and that's that's a very good way to extend um, to extend Wi-Fi to the backyard. Now you could also just get a better router. A lot of times the the routers, the Wi-Fi routers that are provided by your internet service provider are not very good. And if you're leasing it from them, you're paying like $10 a month or, or something thereabouts. And it may be actually uh, cheaper just to buy your own router and, and get a good one. And you could get, if you get really some high-end routers, you, it really does increase the range because they have beam, beam forming capacity. Like the Asus Rogue Router, ROG Rapture, GTAX 11000. That, now, that's really high-end. That's $450. That would really extend your range. Or you could get the Netgear Nighthawk AC2300 for $220. Now, those would actually extend your range. They also support Wi-Fi 6, which is even a faster Wi-Fi that's gradually rolling out. Now, you could also get your third option is to get a mesh system where you basically have a series of <clears throat> routers that talk with each other and they form a Wi-Fi mesh, as they say, and those are actually pretty good these days. You, you can get the Nest Wi-Fi mesh for 169, and you just place these things around the house, and they they actually talk with each other, configure each other, and they just extend the Wi-Fi everywhere. You also have the Google um, the Google mesh, or you always have the Eero E E R O mesh E E R O mesh. That's ninety nine dollars plus depending on how many nodes you get. And that supports, uh, that's that's owned by Google. Eero is owned by Google, and it supports Google Smart Home. Of course, Nest Wi-Fi is owned by Amazon, and it supports Amazon. So actually, I kind of like the mesh. You know, if you've got a big house with, with dead spots, these mesh networks are pretty nice. Now, you also have the option of just getting a, a hotspot. Suppose you're just so far out that none of this extender stuff works. You could actually just turn your cell phone into a Wi-Fi hotspot, and basically it would connect to the cellular network. Put out a Wi-Fi signal. You could attach it. You could connect your laptop to your uh, to your uh, cell phone, and then you'd you'd have Wi-Fi in the backyard, just independent of what's going on at the house. And they, they also, you can also buy hotspots, like you can go to Verizon or you can go to AT&T. They'll sell hotspots that actually connect to the cellular network, and you just, and you just you can use that hotspot, and you've got Wi-Fi anywhere. I know when we go to, sometimes we'll travel to internationally in other countries, we'll get a Wi-Fi hotspot, and we'll connect it to the local cellular network. And that way, I've got Wi-Fi. I got a Wi-Fi connection uh, for, and I just use my cell phone with my normal U.S. number, and I go right through that Wi-Fi connection, and I and my and my phone connectivity is good to go with that local hotspot. And the final thing you can try to do is just move your router. 
You know, you could, you know, a lot of times people try to put the router back inside a cabinet and hide it. But I'm telling you, all of those walls, pipes, large appliances, any other dense object, that that sort of reduces your signal strength. So you're better off having your router out in the open and in a central location. So you could just move your router, maybe put it close to the window, and then you could just, you could get some Wi-Fi signal in the backyard. So I hope one of those options works for you. It's um, it certainly is a good idea to do uh, to make your backyard uh, a home office. I would uh, I would have some sort of weather shelter and a lightning detector in the backyard too. He's in Richmond, right? Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad weather could be an an issue there. Severe weather, that, summertime. That is a very very good point. Now we got an email. Let's see here. We got one more email, and it's from. Uh, John in Baltimore. Dear Tech Talk, I heard something about discount software for students. Is that real or just a rumor? I'd like to save a little money, John in Baltimore. Well, actually, John, academic licensing for software is the real deal. If you're a student, staff member, or faculty member of a college or university, you can get academic software at a steep discount. Now, you need an email address that that's a school email address, so it's got to end in .edu, and that's really all you need to prove that you are a student. Some, sometimes they require that you send a, um, a faculty ID card or a student ID card, but not always. Frequently, just the email address is all they need. And there are, there are several companies that specialize in academic software sales. Software vendors have created this category to reduce pirated software on college campuses. Because they knew in the old days when you'd have all this expensive software, college kids wouldn't buy it. They'd pirate right. it. Yeah, sure. And they're just, they figure, look, we'll just, we'll, we, we want to get some loyal customers. We figure that while they're in school, they'll, we'll, we'll grab them with really cheap software. And then when they graduate, they'll be customers for life. And of course, when they're no longer students, so they'll have to pay the full price for the software. Now, one of my now I get since I am associated with Stratford University, I of course can get uh, academic software. I've always used JourneyEd. I like the JourneyEd.com uh, website. There are many of them. It's just I've used JourneyEd over the years, and I've always been happy with what they've done. But you can just Google academic software, and you'll find multiple vendors. So I went to JourneyEd this morning just to give you an example of of the kind of steep savings you get. For instance, Microsoft Office Professional Plus 2019 for Windows retails for $499. It is available at academic prices for $29.99. Mm. That's, a, that's a really a good deal. That is a good deal. So uh, that, that's just one example. So you got a lot of stick across all of the major software vendors. So just, uh, if you don't, if you can just Google academic software and look around and find a, a vendor that you like, but it is the real deal. Listen, we love your emails. We do. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio on Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2, and in Loudoun County on 104.5 FM. Stand by. More of Tech Talk coming up. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment.
In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature David Heinemeyer Hansen. David well Heinemeyer Hansen. Well done. He was a... Thank you very much. He was a Danish programmer, best known as the creator of Ruby on Rails, web development framework, and the Insticky, an Insticky, which is a Ruby on Rails wiki, like Wikipedia, where you can edit it and you can, you can share articles. Mm -hmm. He grew up in a lower middle class uh, location in the outskirts of Copenhagen, Denmark. He was provided with the housing from the from AAB, which is a union-founded affordable housing association. So he was he grew up, his his mother was not did not have a very good job, and he grew up in low-income housing when he was there. And so he always was struggling for money. Now, but his early life, where when his mother was struggling to make ends meet, he, it gave him lessons that have stuck with him for life. What he realized early in life, that as long as your basic needs are met, the quality of your life is only vaguely related to material success. So he always believed that he could achieve happiness without much money. So money never really became a major object of his pursuit, you know, throughout his yeah. entire life, which absolutely, that was a pretty good lesson to learn from somebody that young. Um, he was born... October 15th, 1979 in Copenhagen, Denmark. Now, he was trying to get a little bit of money just to, you know, have street money, go be able to go to the movies and all. So he started uh, selling pirated CDs. <laughs> this was this was his first major so, major attempt at making money. Money really was an option. Yeah, money, yeah, money he didn't want to get it was important. He wanted to get some money so he, you know, so he could go, go to the movies. So he sold pirate, <laughs> pirated CDs. He was a member of a of a what bulletin board, a BBS. But this was in the old days, people didn't have like Facebook, so right. they'd have these bulletin boards where you would actually post things and chat on the bulletin board. So he he was a member of Elite BBS, it was an Elite bullet board, and and so there were he had a lot of contacts on Elite BBS. So he sold his pirated CDs through his contacts on Elite BBS, and he made enough money to you know to sort of survive. 
So that was his first job selling, um, so-called job selling pirated CDs. Now in 1999, when he was 20, he founded his first company. It was a Danish online gaming news website called the Daily Rush. And I guess you'd go there to find out news, you know, on, on all the games that were yeah. going on. And, and he ran that uh, for two years until 2001. And, but he was always interested in programming. So he, he was always, uh, you know, learning new, learning new programming languages. He, he participated a lot in threaded discussions and discussion groups. And he was in particular following this one blog, blogging website called Signal Versus Noise. And, um, and the guy, Joseph Freed, uh, actually ran that uh, blog site, and, uh, and he answered a question that, that, that Jason Freed had, uh, and, and Jason was asking how he could, uh, how he could uh, you know, paginate, do pagination in PHP, which is a uh, scripting language. We, we actually featured that last week. And so, um, and so David uh, answered this and gave very detailed descriptions on how you could pag- how you do pagination in PhD. And he started, uh, you know, and he struck up a friendship with J- uh, Jason Freed. And they, um, and so finally, Jason said, "Look, instead of me learning PhD, why don't I hire you to do some projects for me?" So Jason Freed hired him to do some projects for the company that Jason had co-founded a couple of years earlier, and it was called Thirty Seven Signals. That was Jason Freed's company. And um, and Jason wanted him to build a web-based project management tool because they were a consulting company and they needed project management tools. And, then, uh, and the existing ones were so complex, they wanted a simple one that was web-based that they could use for their own project management. So, so, he, um, so he gave David this contract to start working on it. Now, 37 signals is entered. You, you, you ever heard of the SETI project where they're like searching the skies to look for, uh, uh, you know, signals from other civilizations? I've not heard of this now. You know, and, and they um, and it turned out that they have located 37 signals that potentially could be signals coming from other civilizations. So the name of their company 37 signals or signal was was signals 37 was basically in reference to those alien communications that said he was looking for mm-hmm. <laughs> really got nothing to do with this story in particular just kind of interesting that, they, that <laughs> they, they, uh, as we used to say a sidebar it's a sidebar so he started developing this thing for a uh, jason he had a little part-time job he didn't make much money at this deal he worked from his home in Copenhagen uh, for $15 an hour, <laughs> and Jason authorized 10 hours a week. So he would basically, every week or every other week, he would bill for his, for his 10 hours a week. And, uh, and there was another problem. They had trouble, at least according to Jason, they had trouble transferring money mm-hmm. to Denmark. So they would pay him in Apple hardware. So every once in a while, he would... He would he would earn enough and then send them an iPad or something, and so that's how, that's how he that's actually how he was getting paid. So it wasn't wasn't extremely lucrative, but it turned out that it it allowed him to really really hone his skills, and he ended up developing quite a very sophisticated project management uh, piece of software called Basecamp. Mm-hmm. In two thousand and four, they actually. In 2004, 
37 signals released Basecamp, and they started actually earning money from it. Hmm. They they were originally a consultancy. They would do consulting work, and they would and they were like trying to become a product company, and they were using their consulting work to finance the launch of the consult of the uh, of the product based business. And finally, when Basecamp was released. It was good enough that it started getting traction, and they began to earn enough money. There were four people, programmers in in uh, in 37 Signals, and uh, and and it actually paid the salaries for all four without doing any consulting work. So, um, and it was paying all the bills. By 2005, it was paying all the bills for the company. Now, in order to aid in the development of Basecamp. Um, uh, David Hansen, he, he, he used a, a little known programming language called Ruby. And it was, it, it was fairly difficult to launch applications in Ruby. And so what he did, he created a series of tools, uh, that made it easy to develop program, which is where you basically would just like configure, you'd put in a, you would configure these tools and they would write all the code according to your configuration statements, and boom, you could you could actually launch an application. So with and so he called those sets of rules that programming framework, as a, as it would be called, they called it Ruby on Rails. Uh-huh. So had you Rails, ever heard of this before? Yeah, yeah, it's really it's famous. See, with Ruby on Rails, like you could you could stand up a um, a, a blogging site in fifteen minutes. You just basically configure what you want for the blogging site, boom, and it writes all the code for you in Ruby, and you've got a blogging site in 15 minutes. So instead of having an application that might take uh, two months to develop, you're talking about hours. And so it became extremely popular because it was easy to use. Mm -hmm. And so Ruby on Rails, the the Rails programming framework was really good. Now, and he developed that Rails programming framework because he wanted – to you know, have a way to develop Basecamp quickly. So he developed a set of tools for doing that. He ended up releasing Ruby on Rails as an open source project in 2004. And it became open source and then people started developing it. So Ruby on Rails took a life of its own. And, and it actually, over the years, it, it, it became his passion. Now, both Jason as well as Jason Fried, as well as David Hansen, they both believed in minimalization, in, in having minimum software. They they looked at Microsoft and they said all these feature heavy stuff, everything's so complicated, so heavy. They said that is not a service to mankind. You need something that is simple, not too many options in it, easy to use, easy to configure. So they were minimalism in their software. That was their mantra. They always tried to build something simpler than the competition. They tried to underdo the competition instead of outdoing the competition. <laughs> now, David, David Hansen believes in the craft of writing beautiful code. He, he views code almost as an art form. And, but he likes having code that has an impact in the business world. So he likes to have both, both, uh, both things there. And he... Uh, Jason Fried and David Hansen, they're, they're, they're somewhat like evangelists. They've written books on how to write code, how to apply this minimal architecture. And we want smaller apps rather than bigger apps. Like if you look at Microsoft uh, 
office. It's like a monstrosity of piece of software. It's huge. Uh, but on the other hand, Google started coming with little small apps, small apps that you could just do it for, for something very simple. So now there is kind of a, of a movement to have smaller, simpler apps that have a narrower focus. They do a very specific job, but they're very easy to learn and they don't, and they, they don't have a lot of code. Now what, uh, what David um, Hansen did with Ruby on Rails, if you simply use his programming framework, you end up with code that conforms to his belief system on how code should be written. So this thing became really, really popular. In 2005, Hansen was recognized by Google and O'Reilly as the hacker of the year for its creation of Ruby on Rails. It was like a big deal. In 2005, after receiving his Bachelor of Science in his Bachelor of Science in Computer Science and Business Administration from the Copenhagen Business School, he had a choice. See, he had been doing he'd been doing all of this development of Ruby on Rails and of Basecamp. He was still going to school, and this was all of a kind of a part-time job. But in 2005, remember, I said Basecamp actually was supporting the whole company you know, 26 signals. Right. He had a choice. Is he going to go get a master's degree and pursue something else and just forget this hobby? Or is he going to pursue base camp? He made the decision to forego a master's degree and he moved to Chicago, Illinois. That's where, that's where, um, that's where 20, um, that's where 29 signals is, is located in, uh, in Chicago. And he then, he then moved there and he then devoted full time to the development of Basecamp and work. Oh, they also changed the name from 29 Signals, which is a little bit uh, confusing, to Basecamp. And Basecamp became the product of the company. And, uh, and, they, and they marketed, actually, the way they marketed this thing was interesting. They, they marketed it through the blog. Remember I said he originally met Jason when he read the Signal versus Noise blog. Mm -hmm. So they, they made that blog into a project management blog where they, where they talked about project management software. And, uh, and they started writing essays about project management. And the readership grew uh, from 4,000 readers to uh, 75,000 uh, know, in just a few years. And it became the way that they sold their software base camp. Their motto here was, they want to out-teach the competition rather than outspend the competition in marketing. So their blog was actually an educational blog to teach, to teach people about project management. Now, in, in 2006, because of all of their work in talking about code methodology, code principles, minimalization... Uh, Jeff Bezos got sort of became uh, became aware of Basecamp, and he made a personal investment through his, you know, Jeff Bezos Enterprises, and he became a minority partner in Basecamp. And each of the partners made you know several million dollars out of that deal. Now, they really didn't need money because they were running positive cash flow. The reason they accepted Bezos as a minority partner, they wanted to have him as a mentor. They wanted him to, uh, you know, they wanted to get his advice. And he particularly liked the way that they wrote software, their approach to, to software writing. Now, Hansen has written along, uh, has co-authored with Jason Freed a number of books. They wrote 
Agile Web Development with Rails. He wrote that in 2005. Oh, that one he wrote with Dave Thomas. Uh, that I was hear part that's of really good when you're having trouble sleeping. Yeah, it, you know, it really is. You know, <laughs> it, it really is. Agile Web Development, Jim. I think, I think really that's what you should focus on now. Okay. I think, I think without a doubt. He, he also co-wrote a book about, it, it was called Getting Real, Rework, Remote. And, and what that was, was, was how, to, uh, how to balance your life. It was really how to run a, how to run a startup that really does stuff if you're if you're remote because because this uh, this 29 signals was all remote everybody worked out of their home they didn't really have offices per se and, and so they how can you effectively run a startup uh, and come up so so this was uh, was a book which is giving advice on how to do startups and they also then they wrote a book uh, with they wrote another book with Jason Fried which is it doesn't have to be crazy at work they are saying that, and they they said look these guys at work you know, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. They just, they just burn themselves out. They said, you gotta have, you gotta have life balance. You can, you can effectively run a company at 40 hours a week. You don't, you don't have to burn the candle at both ends. So they explained how you use time management to, to really get a lot done and work efficiently. Now he lists photography and race car driving among his hobbies. I mean, in 2012, yeah, he he took part in the 24-hour Le Mans driving. This is endurance driving, endurance racing, the Oak endurance racing. You drive 24 hours mm. straight. That's that's he, crazy. Yeah, and he's he's won a couple of those. He also drove the Morgan Nissan P2 car for Conquest Racing in the American Le Mans series. He won two of those races that season. Finally, in 2013, he became a full-time race driver. <laughs> He joined the Oak Racing Team full-time in 2013, and he took five second-place finishes that, that first year, and, he, uh, and then he finished overall second for all drivers in, the, in, that, in that category. Uh, in 2019, his net worth was estimated at $40 million. Hey, do, with what, do what you're happy, right? Do, do what makes you happy. He, do what makes you happy, what and that's... That? that's that thing at the beginning about money really not mattering that much. That's right. <laughs> $40 million. That's right. But you see, he wasn't focused on the money. Mm -hmm. And and the one thing with, I mean, he's still, he's still a partner at base camp. And, and they decided at base camp, they only have 40 employees. They decided they're not going to go this thing where they try to ramp up, expand, do an IPO, get 2000 people. No, they're, they're just happy with what they're doing. And they're, they, and it's very profitable because they've, you know, Basecamp project manager software has has almost two two million users, mm -hmm. and so they're making good money with that. And so they they're just really happy writing code. And he goes out and he speaks at these coding uh, open source coding um, um, conferences. And he and Jason are like evangelists for a certain style of writing code. And this is what he loves. So if you look at it, he has become kind of a teacher. You know, with the blog yeah, and yeah. teaching people, teaching people how to run a startup, teaching people how to write code, and so what? And he's also become he has become an open source uh, program developer. He's, he's managing Ruby on Rails, and this gives him great satisfaction. And he likes to play when he's driving uh, race cars. So he, he's found a happy balance in life. And he wasn't seeking money, but he certainly made a little money. Yeah, he sure has. So there you go. Everything you ever want to know about David. 
Heinemeyer Hansen, the uh, creator of Ruby on Rails. Excellent. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Federal News Network and Tech Talk Radio. We're on 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD2 and 103.9 FM HD2, along with 104.5 FM in Loudoun County. Learn more about the programs at Stratford University by going to stratford.edu. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Russ, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love all that virtual applause. It just really brings warmth and to my heart. Without your prompting, they have sat down. Yes, that's very good. This yep. is not simply a radio show. No. This, of course, is the classroom of the airways. And we have to determine whether the class has been listening with the pop quiz. If you get the right answer to the pop quiz, you'll get two tickets to fine dining at one of the Stratford University dining rooms as soon as they open again, which I think is going to be within a month. Sounds like it. Earlier in the show, I talked about David Heinemeyer Hansen. He, of course, is the creator of Ruby on Rails. When he was growing up in a poor neighborhood, he started making money at age 14. What was the first venture that he used to make money so he had a little bit of money to go to the movies? If you know the answer to today's question, stop social distancing with your phone, pick it up, and give us a call. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. Calling from east of an ever-mounting pile of empty oyster shells in Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If you're selling pirated CDs in Canada, call us on the wildcard line. 877-936-9333. Anyone else, anywhere else may call us on the international line. It's disinfected on the hour. 877-936-39333. 
Now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Church. That's you. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. Let's talk about the app of the week. This is what I didn't get to last week. Right. The scanner system tool. Now, the scanner, the system scanner tool, it's by Crucial, C-R-U-C-I-A-L, helps you correct, select the correct type of RAM when you want to upgrade your computer. Now, the tool is free and easy to use. Now, all you have to do, you just go to www.crucial.com with any web browser, and then you, uh, once the page is finished loaded, you click on the scan computer button, uh, which is located uh, uh, over on the right, to download the system scanner tool to your computer. Once it's installed, once it's downloaded on your computer, you double-click on it to launch it. And it will come up, and the system scanner tool will now scan your PC, and it will determine what type of RAM your system uses, how much is currently installed, and what your upgrade options are, if any. At this point, I mean, this is how they make the money. You could choose to buy your RAM from Crucial uh, if you want, or you could actually just print out the spec page, and then you could go to Amazon and, and purchase it yourself. It's a pretty nice little tool for picking out RAM to upgrade your computer. That's always the big issue. Very good. All right, guess what? We have somebody who wants to play the game. Okay, so very go good. So uh, we're going to go to the uh, line two. And this is Lewis calling us in Rockville. Good morning, <laughs> Lewis. Good morning, sir. Good. Doc, go ahead and ask the question, please. Yeah, earlier in the show, I talked about David Heinemeyer Hansen, best known as creator of Ruby on Rails. How did he earn his first money? He was selling illegal CDs. That is correct. Correct. Very, Very good. good. Hang on a second here. Uh, Lewis, we're going to send you back to uh, Andrew. He'll take your information, and we'll send the prize out to you. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio on Federal News Network, 1500 AM. 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2 in Loudoun County at 104.5 FM. Also on the web at federalnewsnetwork.com. Learn more about Stratford University by going to stratford.edu. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. 
your turn doc okay observations from the bunker i'm going to talk about the type of life work balance that david hansen has achieved he's written a lot about this in many many places that it's interesting he believes that expectations not outcomes govern and govern the happiness of your perceived reality so for instance when they launched base camp after a few months, they were making around $4,000 a month, which actually paid all of their expenses. They were quite happy with that because they perceived that to be sufficient. Now, had they gotten $5 million from a VC who was expecting you know, a, a huge payout, $4,000 a month after a few months would have been viewed as a failure. Their perception made it a success, and they grew from that organically. So these, these are three, here are some three big ideas from Hanson I think are really interesting. It'll make your life happier. <laughs> Develop skill sets that are necessary after you make it. Like if you're doing 100-hour week work, sacrificing times with friends and family, not developing, not developing any other interests aside from your business, how do you expect to be happy once you sell your business or suddenly if your life, if your business goes away? You've got nothing to replace it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I once had a friend, he worked his whole career developing this really, really great software company in Boston. I was in a uh, sort of a peer mentoring group with him. And uh, and he sold that, you know, company for like $400 million. <laughs> Does and he need another it, friend? No, no but you, well, you would think he would be happy. Uh, you know, I went and talked with him. I spent some time with him after that. And, you know, he um, was at a loss. Huh. And he didn't know what he was going to do with his life. And actually, he wasn't happy. But he says, you know, who can he talk about that? I mean, every, he, you know, he sold his company for $400 million, And he says, you know, I'm really not happy. I mean, uh, nobody, nobody would take him seriously. Yeah. But actually, he didn't have anything to replace it. Hmm. And there was another friend that I had who sold his company for $250 million. And he'd been doing... Uh, you know, volunteer work. He'd been helping kids in, uh, you know, and young kid mentoring young children to help them be successful. And he just continued and he did more of that. And, uh, and when he sold his company, he didn't miss a beat because he had, he had done, he had already developed something that interested him outside of the business that he could carry on with. And so Hanson understood this right away. So he says, Develop the skills that you need after you've made it, after your business is gone. That was pretty, pretty insightful, and I've seen how important that is just in my, in my experiences with my friends. Now, your the second principle that Hansen had, your sacrifice today does not increase your chances of happiness later. Hansen notes that he and his Basecap co-founder, Jason Fried, manage a successful company on strictly a 40-hour-a-week schedule. They will not, you know, be, do so immersed in it that they can't do anything else. He says, if the quality of your life sucks now, then after a decade, you'll still be in the habit of burnout, hypertension, depression, or any other kind of ailment that your body happens to pick up, and it will suck then too. So you want to get enjoyment 
now it could on possibly, a day-to-day basis. It could possibly suck even more. <laughs> it could suck even more. Yeah. And so you want to develop and do things that you enjoy now. And in, instead of, have you, have you ever heard people, they, they say, yeah, when I retire, I'm going to travel the world. And then they retire and in two in a year They're they die. Dead. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've seen that so so just enjoy your life in a balanced way yeah. while you're yes. living it. Right. Now the, the next I, thing Well, I think when you retire you lose purpose. That's if you right. think you're going to go from you know 70 miles an hour to zero, you're probably really going to go to zero. So you, you see it should not be called retirement, it should be called redirection. And ah. and the thing is if if you don't have something to redirect to it's a void. Mm-hmm. You have to redirect. And that's the purpose of sort of, of maintaining outside interests from your from your core work life so that you have something to redirect to when you uh, when you retire from that particular job and you just redirect yourself to something else. Now, the, the final thing he said is focus on the process, not the success. He says, you know, so, you know, success is very deceptive. If your goal is to be rich and you've got a number in mind, well, you know, what, what does that really mean? There's still going to be somebody richer than you. If your goal is to be famous, then what does that mean? And so it's focus on the parts of the journey or of your struggle that motivate you, because those things that motivate you in your journey are what are going to make you happy. So, for instance, Hansen said, what, when he really is having the most fun is when he's working on his programming language, Ruby on Rails, mm-hmm. this open source project. He's not making any money on it, but he says that when he's doing that, he feels alive. And so you focus on what you enjoy and do more of it and don't focus on a particular, on a particular goal. He says, and and this actually gets um, back to the basic thing that he talked about earlier, that money cannot be your objective. Your objective has to be making a difference in something. So focus on the process whereby you make a difference doing something that you love. Uh, Money will follow, but it's not the goal. I think this guy is pretty balanced. And look at him. He 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 basically retired full time at base camp, and now he's r- <laughs> racing driving race uh, cars. Yeah, he's driving race cars, and he, and and on the weekend he's working Ruby on Rails, and then he goes out to the open source conferences, and he's 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 like a he's like a software code evangelist, and he loves to teach young programmers how to write good code, and um and so he has found a, a purpose in life that I. You know, the more I read about him, he, he was complicated to, to read about. You know, I, I looked at a lot of his uh, interviews. I read a lot of the stuff that he did uh, those last few days and became more and more impressed with him. I knew about Ruby on Rails. Mm-hmm. I didn't I really didn't know about the man behind Ruby on Rails. And I certainly do like uh, I certainly do like David Hansen now a lot more. All right. So there you go. Observations from the bunker. Ring of fire because we're running we're running out of time here. Okay, let's just keep on going. Yeah, just keep on going. Yeah. Ring of fire. The ring of fire will will be visible across parts of Africa and Asia, but you can follow the action online. We're going to have two solar eclipses uh, this year. One's going to be the this one's going to be July 21st or the 20th, depending on your location Ah. relative to the dateline. Now it turns out that the sun is too far away from the Earth, 
So it's a little bit smaller to completely cover the sun. So when it goes over the sun, it's not a total eclipse. You still have the edges of the sun showing. So it's called the ring of fire. Mm. Now, the NASA is going to have a website that shows you that it shows you the path of the eclipse in case you want to hop on a plane and get there. <laughs> now, yeah. or if you don't want to do that and you don't want to go out and fly to Africa, you could you could do you could go to the virtual telescope project and you can watch the ring of fire evolve there. That's more now, economical. Was, yeah, it is. So you go to the virtual tele, tele, telescope project. The coverage is going to start at at 10.30 p.m. Saturday night, Pacific time. So that means it would be, um, uh, what's that, um, 1.30 well, Eastern Standard No, 10.30 Pacific would be 7.30 our time. 7.30 it's three our hours, time. Okay. Right? Yeah, three hours. No, they're earlier there, aren't well, they're, they? That's right, yeah, so you're right. It's 1.30 a.m. on the 21st. 1.30 a.m. on the 21st, you, it'll, you'll see live coverage of the Ring of Fire. By the way, for those of you interested, there's a, it'll be a total eclipse, by the way, December 14th. Mm -hmm. And you, if you want to make plans to fly to South America for, for, that, uh, for Christmas, for the Christmas season. If you're in an area where it's going to be light, well, you won't be. So social media was yeah. finally used to, to find out a protester who burned the police car. Laura Elizabeth Blumenthal, 33 of Philadelphia, is currently in federal custody. Now, according to the U.S. Uh, Attorney's Office, she burned two vehicles uh, in uh, Philadelphia back, uh, back during the riots uh, uh, that occurred around City Hall. The FBI says that Blumenthal's T-shirt and a tattoo on her forearm helped identify her. They could see amateur photos showed a T-shirt that said, keep the immigrants, deport the, deport the racists. They located that T-shirt on ETSY, where she bought it. Etsy. And she, Etsy. And she left a review there on Etsy, <laughs> which displayed a Philadelphia location. Then they searched on Poshmark. Then they searched on Lincoln, and they located her, and they gave her an arrest. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. And make certain you go to the Stratford University website and check out those programs and tell them that you heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.